Welcome to another episode of the Head of Nations podcast. I'm your host, Brian, and across from me is your host, Ben. So, Ben, what's new in your nations this week? Trying to motivate myself to run, which I used to, I used to run to condition myself for coaching because then I would lead the running for the team. Stopped coaching and I stopped running shortly after because who likes to run? Sick people, I believe, <laughs> like to run, right? <laughs> what is wrong with these people? <laughs> but I know it's important, so I will run. And that's what I'm gearing up for. Actually, today, you can't see this, but I wore my running shoes, which I purchased last year and have not yet run in them. Wow. So, yes. <laughs> okay, so you you really need to break those bad boys in. <laughs> so that's what I'm I'm ready. Summer is here, mm-hmm. so I'm ready to start. I said, day one of summer, I will run. And so I'm just going to start out just a, maybe a mile or two. I'm not going to go crazy, but I will run. Let's go. Yes. All right. Well, how would you feel maybe about the listeners checking in? emailing at info ahead of nations and just asking if you did your run that you said you were going to do. I wish you wouldn't, (laughs) but please do, but please do. There we go. Get some accountability. accountability. (laughs) Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So this week I'm doing actually something a little bit different and I'm learning some markets that I'm doing some reselling in. So I always have liked old coins. Mm. I've always liked them. I used to collect coins when I was a kid. And I really, I stopped once I was in late high school, early college. I kind of lost interest in it, partially because I felt like it was nerdy, which I don't know why I cared at that point, Mm. but also partially because of lack of funds. And so, you know, I started again a few years ago, just here and there collecting some coins, but I've also started reselling some old American coins, partially because it scratches an itch where I'm not just collecting and keeping it, but I'm making a little bit of a profit on it. Yeah. But I also get to hold it for a little while yeah, and just see yeah, it. Yeah. And so I'm doing some more delving into I understand the market some. I understand coins because I used to collect them. But really trying to see and understand what is in demand now, what people are going yeah. for, and just getting in my mind a fixed price point on a lot of them. Because when I have opportunities to pick some up at a cheap price, the difference between one that is valuable and one that is not might be a mint mark. It might be a year. So like the difference between a 1909 and a 1910 might be $30 in profit. Wow. Right. So just trying to get that squared away in my head and download that knowledge. So it's work. I've got to do research. I've got to read. I actually have under my Bible here because I don't put oh. things on top of my Bible. That's just how I was raised it is the new red book, the 2024 red book. So I'm looking at that and just kind of trying to memorize some stuff here so that I can make a quick judgment call when it, I need to be quick. Interesting. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. In, in that same vein, I not a coin thing, but like a buying thing. Um, I just got, I got into, I think I shared this a couple episodes ago, but into restoring baseball gloves. Yeah. And I, so I, f- I flipped a baseball glove. Let's go. By cleaning it and relacing it and conditioning it, making an old glove from like the 1980s new glove. Well, just yesterday, I pulled the trigger on two gloves that were, they, these are Mickey Mantle, um, uh, has Mickey Mantle's like, you know, his signature in his signature glove, but then modeled after, modeled after the glove that he used. So I, I purchased two of those things. I'm going to flip them and I'm going to 
well, I'm expecting a profit on them, but but I am getting really into this glove thing. I don't know. It's going to be a side hustle, I think, for me. It's good to have a side hustle. Anyone out there, I think it's great to have a side hustle. And I have a couple. You have I actually I have several. Yeah, but right. yeah, you you've got a side hustle going. And if it's something you enjoy, like yeah, yeah you actually in the word enjoy is the word joy. Yeah, you get a sense of joy out of doing it. So it's not something that's draining. It's right. almost something that's restorative. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally relaxing. Very yeah. strange because mm-hmm. it's a very difficult thing to do to release a, a baseball glove. But for whatever reason, I could, I could sit that I could sit there for hours, and time just seems to stop. It's a really amazing thing. Yeah, well, that's awesome. Yeah. You have yeah. to keep me posted on the progress of yeah. that. That's yeah. something I've never gotten into relacing a glove. Oh, man. When I was a kid, I had one of my laces come off of my yeah. baseball glove, and so trying to get it yep. fished back through is really annoying. Yep. So I understand in a tiny little way, yeah. but not yeah. in the restoring aspect. So good for you. That's awesome. Yeah, it's fun. Well, why don't we get into the verse of the week this week and the verse of the week is from job and it's in chapter 38 and this is when god speaks to job after job has been speaking a lot and his friends have been speaking so first of all god speaks out of a storm it's the whirlwind which Mm -hmm. like i look at and it seems to be a tornado Mm -hmm. which i love tornadoes Mm -hmm. i think Mm -hmm. they're the coolest thing ever i know some people like oh they're terrible they destroy everything Mm -hmm. yes but they're powerful and majestic and they're made by God. And so God's speaking out of this tornadic storm, it mm. seems like. And he says, starting in verse one, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the storm. He said, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. So several things here. First of all, we talked last week about seeing the elephant and about people that spoke about things that they didn't understand. I like to read, and I like to read books by people who have been there and done that. So Jocko Willink has some books that I've read. I've read most of his books, like The Dichotomy of Leadership, for example, or Extreme Ownership, where he talks about his experience in using discipline to lead people. So there was another book. I'm not going to say the title because some people might love the book and you know it was recommended to me by someone and I don't, you know, don't want to put them on blast. But I was recommended this book and I was reading it. And the book was about traits in people that led to success. But the one thing I noticed very quickly was the author always spoke in third person. They did this. And when they did this, they experienced that. And I could tell by the language the author used, they had never, ever gone through the same struggle, right? They hadn't persevered in the face of an extreme challenge. Now, I'm not saying that writing the book wasn't a challenge. I'm sure it was. But it was just, you could tell, they were referring to these people's experience and sharing, like, this is what they did. This is what, But they never, as the author, shared what they did. And it seemed like this concept that they were writing a whole entire book about was foreign to them. It was words without knowledge. Well, God is calling out Job. He's like, all right, Job, listen, brace yourself like a man. First of all, I love that phrase. There is a distinct way, it sounds like, to brace oneself as a man. Right? God's calling out. He's not like, brace yourself as a person. Mm. He's not like, brace yourself being, but brace yourself like a man. Yeah. Stand there 
like a man. You ever hear the phrase, take it like a man? Yeah. We would say that in soccer when people would get a direct <laughs> kick and we'd have to stand just in the stand wall yeah. and just like let the ball bounce off your face. Yeah. We'd be like, take it like a yeah. man. <laughs> yeah. So in this aspect, God's calling out Job as man. He's like, stand there like a man. Stand up. That's right. I'm going to question you and you're going to answer me because you're speaking about stuff you don't know. Yeah. And God goes on to say everything that he knows that Job doesn't. And not everything, obviously, but he's like, hey, uh, you know so much, Job. Well, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there when I set the boundaries for the ocean? Hey, you know what? When the lions are hungry and they call to you for food, do you feed Mm -hmm. them? Mm -hmm. Because they call to me. They call my name Mm -hmm. and say, I'm hungry, God, Mm -hmm. and I feed them. So Job at the end is like, I didn't know what I was talking about. Mm -hmm. I repent. Mm -hmm. I repent. I had no idea what I was talking about, Mm -hmm. God. You're right. So I love this concept here of bracing oneself like a man. But can you imagine God speaking to you after you've called God out? Yeah. By the way, Job, the Bible says in everything Job said, he didn't sin. Mm -hmm. Right? So he was sinless in what he said, but he still didn't know what he was talking about. Can you imagine God calling you out and be like, okay, you think you know? Let's see what you know. Yeah. I think that... I'm not a person that is easily frightened. Like we talked about this before. I'm the weirdo stares at the lions in the mm-hmm, eyes and I'm like, mm-hmm. hey, bro, what's up, yeah. right? Yeah. My wife thinks I'm crazy because I used to go, you know, I, I bring a flashlight now when I put the animals away and I make sure I've got something on me in case, you know, there's a predator out there. But, yes, yeah. I, but despite that, I used to just walk out in the dark to like put the chickens away, put the mm-hmm, goats away. Mm-hmm. And one time there was a dark object in the garden mm. and I was like, oh, is that a bear? Yeah. And I walked over to it to see what it was. My wife's like, you did what? I'm like, well, I had to go <laughs> see it. Like, what if it was, yeah. yeah. So like, I'm a weirdo like that. Yeah, sure. There are a few things that I think are terrifying. I don't use the word terrifying because I, I don't like to think about being scared because mm-hmm. like, I, I just don't think that's a good trait, generally mm-hmm. speaking. I would be terrified in the true sense of the word if this was me, if God himself came down and called me out and was like, let's have a talk. You called on me, here I am. Like, I almost think the Isaiah passage where he's like, woe mm-hmm. is me. Mm-hmm. So what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I mean, most people hit the deck, right? Yeah. Whenever the a- angel, the Lord's armies, the, the commander of God's army and Joshua confronts him, Joshua hits the deck. And I think whenever God speaks here and he's like, stand up like stand like a man kind of thing it's you probably see him kind of like (laughs) shaking as he stands up because he probably hit the deck is my guess stand up like a man and listen and to me that would be the hardest thing up until this point for job to do like (laughs) it's just like i can't yeah the bible says like who can stand before the lord but like like, literally like this is like who can stand against him but like literally who can stand up in In his his presence presence. you just hit the deck and you cover your your head yeah i mean that's especially if it's if it's him revealing himself in the storm yes you want you just want to take cover you don't know what will happen He's, yeah. a, he's wild in that way. Yeah. But when he says stand, you stand. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Like you, you've got to do it. Yeah. But I just think that would be such an intimidating thing. For sure. But I also, I love that phrase where God's like, stand up like a man. Where There's almost something inspiring mm. about that. Like, yeah. Talk about conflict. <laughs> I mean, that is div- divine. Con- that's conflict with a capital C. Mm-hmm. And 
you, you're stand maybe it all caps conflict. You're standing there, and God is telling you face to face. And that think of Job after this. Oh man, like what does that do to a man that mm-hmm. you just had this conflict with God, and you took it, and now what happens to him at the end? Well, he's like worshiping at the end. Yes, which is wild to think of that that he he becomes a man of joy. And a restored man, and probably a stronger one, is my guess, after he after he endured that. Yeah, and probably one that kept his mouth shut. Oh, oh my gosh, hum- humiliate. I mean, yeah. it humbled in, in yeah. all the right ways, I think. Yeah, but do you know what I think is the coolest thing is that Job is never corrected. He's, God's mm. like, hey, listen, you're talking about things you don't know. Here's who I am. Mm. But God still loves Job, yeah. and Job is still God's chosen man because his friends that messed up— mm. God's like, I'm going to have Job pray for you, right? Like, <laughs> he's like, I'm going to have, have him. He's my guy. I'm going to have him pray for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I just think that's amazing. But what a, what a passage right yeah. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so listener, if you've never read from Job 38 onward, but quite frankly, you should read the whole book of Job. Mm-hmm, but if, mm-hmm. if you have not read 38 onward, it just gives you an image of God. So just imagine, mm-hmm. put yourself in Job's place. You've spoken about God and God's calling you on the carpet mm-hmm. for what you said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, and that's, I mean, my career is a, is a Bible teacher. And I, I'm, I've been frightened at passages before oh, yeah. about teachers. But I think of on the daily, I'm talking about God in his word. And that sometimes is paralyzing because, especially in a passage like this, that he's going to, hold my my words he's gonna be like you said these things about me and i just i'm like my god i I pray that they're true and right Mm. (laughs) amen you know there's something i want to land here for a quick second Mm -hmm. do you have that sense of trepidation sometimes in dealing with scripture because i do yeah well especially when you're you're teaching it yes if you if you take it lightly and i think that that can happen for bible teachers and pastors you can take the words of the word of god lightly that's a dangerous place to be i think yeah but like recognizing it's the word of God when when I teach about the Bible and I recognize I do I recognize it's the word of God mm-hmm. I wholly believe that mm-hmm. in my heart it concerns me mm-hmm. when I deal with it on an like when I'm teaching even when I'm talking to my kids about it mm-hmm. when I'm like we have Bible time at night I'll pause and I'll be like is this really the right way to interpret uh, not in a oh man, I, I don't want to be in doctrinal error, but mm. in the sense of, I don't actually want to be in doctrinal error, but in the sense of I am handling mm-hmm. the word, I had better be right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I understand that too. Is that something you deal with? Like do you, when you're even like talking to people about the Bible and you're speaking what you pray is truth, do you ever have that moment of trepidation? Like, may this be right, Lord. Yeah. And I think you know, after you, you've, you've taught it, for a while, I've been teaching for over a decade, you feel more comfortable in the way that you're handling it, but still you want, you always want to, when you approach this thing, you do want to approach it with reverence, mm. um, the reverence that it is due God and his, and his word. So anyways, it's not as if the, the word is God. I'm not, oh, I, oh gosh, now I'm quoting. Okay, so the word is God, word was God. Okay. But like the, that the Bible is God, but it is God's some, word. It is God's word. Yeah. And, and it should be take held, held in that in the highest regard. Right. So anyways, yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Good. Well, why don't we move now into conflict part two? So that's the topic for the week. It's conflict part two. And we're looking at scriptures that deal with this concept of conflict and either give instruction on how to or how not to deal with conflict. So I'm going to be mostly in Proverbs today. I don't know where you're going to be with your passages, but I'm going to start us in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 3. Proverbs 13, 3 says, He who guards his lips guards his life, but he who speaks rashly will come to ruin. Right, so there's this concept here of, and James talks about this too, this concept of your mouth getting you in trouble, right? Where your mouth can be a source of conflict. James talks about how the tongue is full of trouble. And if you can control yourself and control your tongue, then you've got it made basically. So this concept of watching what you say, I think is so key in conflict. And Proverbs seems to point to this, that If you speak rashly, it can literally ruin you. I've seen people do this, whether it's in a career or whether it's in a relationship or whatever, where they just will say things. And my dad told me this very early on in my life. I remember this. So I was at the the range with my dad. It was one of the first times I was was shooting. He had bought me a rifle and it was the first time I was shooting it. And he said, there are two things you can't get back words and bullets right like you send it it's gone it's not coming back Mm. now he was saying that in the context of you'd better be sure where that bullet's going Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but man you better be sure where that word is going and that it's the right word at the right target right yeah Hmm. your turn you have a passage here yeah i do let's let's just go to proverbs 10 10 12 is is the first one for me uh, hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. So when I think of this passage, I think of, of, of a heart that is, is just hardened with hatred, calloused, that is prone to stirring up. And this, that phrase, stirring up, is throughout the Bible. Stirring up, this intentional, almost a, it's, it, it's this intentional, cooking up of terrible things or good things but stir up when some when something is stirred up it's aroused it's you know it's ignited like a fire so hatred stirs up conflict but love covers all like drapes over all wrongs and i think that when we are trying to minimize the effects of you know of of conflict i think that we have to check our hearts when we are most prone to conflict it, it's probably there there are the you know obviously the conflict the daily conflict that we endure that is good but there are there are other types of conflict that that we will go through with people that that don't get that they don't get along with us and i think if you have if you harbor hatred for those people then when that conflict comes up, it's going to lead to, it's going to lead to bad things. You know, there's going to be people at work that, you know, not necessarily at my work right now, like, but I, I know there's, there, there were people in my old jobs that um, we just didn't, we did not get along. And their conflicts could happen very easily, very quickly, especially I, I worked with the stonemasons, uh, just a general laborer. And some, some masons were just rough people, tough people to get along with. And, if I harbored hatred 
in my heart toward those people, I've seen those stonemasons get in fistfights. There, I mean, th- so I think that this this can happen very easily, where I don't get along with them. Maybe I'm bitter. Um, maybe I'm angry in, with these people, and in in that hate, it just is is growing for them in my in my heart. That hatred, we got to keep that. We got to kill that thing because I think that that type of conflict that is stirred up out of hatred will only it it will make everything worse. Mm-hmm. So, we love. It covers the wrongs. We don't return. You know, we think about how we are being. You know, how, how they're talking with us, and we we do our best to you know, to love our enemies as Christ loved His, mm-hmm. and and forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Um, seeing them as 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 image bearers of God, still who you know who might be very difficult to to deal with, but that is, that's the path of wisdom. And I think that, that the ends there, I think are, are better than, than the path of folly and wickedness. But yeah. And just another nuance, this covering, we don't have to tell people what other people have said about them. Mm. Right. Like there's this concept here. I don't know why in the world where like, if you have knowledge, you have to share it. If you know something, you have to share it. Like I've had opportunities where I've heard people say things about other people that I've never passed on. And I'm not saying they said it to me necessarily, they may have, but a lot of times I've heard people talk about other people and I've just kind of been walking past or things like Mm. that. I don't need to go to that person Mm. and be like, Ben, do you know what someone just said about you? So-and-so said this, because what does that do? That breeds quarrels. But if I care about you in Christ and I care about that other person, I'm going to cover that over Mm. because otherwise it's gonna breed quarrels. The perverse person stirs up conflict through gossip right yeah so, i mean that's i mean that's proverb 16 i probably took yours but but that's all a, good. <laughs> that, that's the that's the perverse person yeah. who who ignites that conflict through through gossip and that's going to the rest of that verse says that it separates close friends yeah you lose friends that way you lose alliances partners yeah um, and and you split people mm, apart yeah Maybe they were having an off day or whatever, yeah. and by gossiping, you can end a relationship. Yeah, yeah. trust yeah. is gone. Yeah. yeah, instead of just covering it over. Mm. Yeah, but why we gossip is to make ourselves feel better, yeah. right? It's all about elevating me, and love is about putting their interest above my interest, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. All right, so let me look at chapter 13, still verse 10. Pride only breeds quarrels. Mm. But wisdom is found in those who take advice. So there's twofold here. One is a lot of times, all right, so there's, there's an old country song. The line in the old country song says, it's my belief that pride is the chief cause in the decline in the number of husbands and wives. Yeah. Oh, that's a good Insightful, line. isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Surprised. And so I thought about that. And yeah, I, I'm just the kind of person that analyze everything. <laughs> And I'm like, that's so insightful. Pride really is. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So pride leads to quarrels. Why? Because I'm elevating myself above other people. Mm. Right. And this isn't, we're not talking about being proud of your accomplishments, right? Sure. Yeah. Sure. This is this is more arrogance, mm. mm-hmm. conceit. Yeah. Thinking too highly of yourself. Of yourself. Yeah. Yes. So that breeds quarrels, but you know what? Wisdom is the reverse where you give me advice and I'm like, that's good because you know what I have to do? I have to humble mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. to take that advice. So instead of 
breeding corals, not only am I not going to breed corals, but now I'm going to be improved by listening mm-hmm. to someone else's instruction. So mm-hmm. that's layered there. Mm-hmm. Good book that actually the late Tim Keller, he wrote this. It's called The Freedom of Self, Self-Forgetfulness. It's about 50 pages. It looks like a pamphlet if you if you were to buy it. But the, the, the book is, it's about pride and it's about well, the freedom of thinking of yourself less because you have to think of yourself mm-hmm. in, in how you treat other people and how you, you're interacting with them. But thinking of yourself as the ultimate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, thinking of yourself as, as the most important, that is, that is, that's pride. Or thinking of yourself to, uh, that you are not, that self-deprecating, right? Yeah, yeah. Self-hatred yeah. is also pride. Absolutely. Right? Um, but, but you're lying to yourself yeah, when you do that. Yeah. Because you're made in God's image, right? Right. Yeah, so right. you're lowering yourself. Right. Yeah. And you, and you, you, yes, you do, you do matter. And your life does matter. It has significance. But it's not the ultimate. Uh, the ultimate importance is going to be your relation, how you are relating to God and to others, not that you are yourself, you are God yourself. And in thinking too much of yourself, you're either thinking too highly or too lowly, but it's thinking of yourself less, which actually brings the freedom that we're talking about. But mm. yeah, but I, I recommend the book. It's very good. I'll have to check it out. Mm-hmm. I haven't read it. Mm-hmm. All right, your turn. My next proverb is, the, is Proverbs 28. 25 greedy people the greedy stir up there's that stir up again stir up conflict those who trust in the lord prosper greedy people stir up conflict but those who trust in the lord prosper so Mm. the greedy people are are trying to get ahead they're trying to get what they want what they desire in this world, but those who trust in the Lord for his provision, those are the ones that, that actually prosper and will will be truly blessed versus the greedy who cannot get enough to be satisfied. They're always seek, they're always thinking of themselves. They're always pr- trying to put themselves forward and be satisfied, but they can't be satisfied by anything that they're getting here. So the greedy are just always hungry mouths always open you know ready to consume but those who trust in the lord prosper because they're con- they're content they're at peace they know his goodness they know his his bounty they know that he that he the treasuries of heaven <laughs> are, they're never end they're eternal they they he is our he is our lord who who cares to provide uh, for his children and so that is one that Wow, I mean, in in our consumerist society, I feel, I feel like this is this is a thing that that we need to hear and be reminded of constantly. Greed, absolutely. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next passage, and this passage is Proverbs twenty seven, verse three, and this is about being baited into conflict. I think it says, "Stone is heavy, and sand is a burden, but provocation by a fool is heavier than both." I'm going to read that again. Stone is heavy and sand a burden, but provocation by a fool is heavier than both. So sometimes we get baited into conflict because someone is foolish, like in the true sense of a fool, and they're provoking us. So Mark Twain said something to the effect of, never argue with an idiot 
because they'll drag you down to their level and beat you with experience. What does Proverbs say about a fool? Don't answer a fool according to his folly, right? I'm actually going to read. I wasn't planning to do this. I'm going to read this, okay? It says, do not answer a fool according to his folly or you will be like him yourself. Mm. The very next verse, answer a fool according to his folly or he will be wise in his own eyes. (laughs) So moral of the story, there's no right way to answer a fool, right? (laughs) The other moral of the story is, if you're really wise, you may actually be able to know the right time to use each of those strategies. But if you've been provoked by a fool, mm-hmm. like someone that really doesn't know anything and they try a gotcha moment, mm. you, ever, you ever had that happen to you? Mm-hmm. Isn't it really irritating? It is. Do you know what it's going to lead to if you respond? Conflict. Unnecessary, unfruitful, unproductive conflict. That's true. So what do you do? Hmm. Right? That's the issue. So I look at this and I'm like, let the burden roll off. Mm -hmm. Let it roll off your shoulders. Mm -hmm. Shrug, if you will. Yeah, right. Hmm. All right. Interesting. Next verse. Well, Proverbs 11 speaks of the wicked getting their just desserts that guarantee that the wicked will not go unpunished. Um, What verse is that, Brian? I didn't even... I should have said the verse, but it's in Proverbs 11. Proverbs 11. But just the reminder that the way of the wicked, or how about even this one, verse 5, it says that the wicked falls by his own wickedness. And it's so it must be throughout Proverbs 11 where we have that guarantee that the righteous will be preserved. And so when you're, if you're having trouble letting it roll off, <laughs> that answer to the, to the fool, and you're, you're just like, you want, you want badly to, to correct, and you want badly to engage, to be right, and to be in the right. When there is that, and that, that, desire, to, that desire to enter into that, that fruitless conflict, when it comes, remember that those who, who stir up, strife those who stir up this conflict this unnecessary fruitless conflict who just like it because they because they like foolishness and sin and they're perverse themselves they never go unpunished that the lord sees and we trust in him Mm -hmm. which helps us absolutely yeah because we have an innate sense of justice i think a god-given sense of justice so knowing that that justice will be served at some point I think is important to us and knowing that it doesn't necessarily have to be us who does that. Right. It doesn't have to be me. Right. And it should make us think too, that we are, that we aren't always right. And it should, because God sees all right. That should make us think because the wicked don't go unpunished. I think the way of the wise then is going to be acknowledge when you are in the wrong acknowledge when you are the wicked because you are sinful and should help us and keep us in check um, this little verse that god will god is a just god and, and there will i mean there will he will right all wrongs one day and so do our best to be in the right which a lot of the time looks like repentance be be a repenter yeah but that's what i was thinking about when when i was reading proverbs 11. good all right let's move on i'm going to read two I'm going to read one and then speak on it and then read a second one and speak on it. This is a life verse for me, if there is such a thing. This is one that I found in my conflict-ridden days. 
in my teenage years, my dad and I would not always get along very well because, you know, as a teenage boy, you know, teenage guy, you, you want your independence and you don't always do well at following the household rules. So Proverbs 15.1 is a verse that I tried to live by, and it is, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. So there's this dichotomy here. You see, gentle, it's going to pacify. It's going to turn it away. Mm-hmm. Harsh is going to stir up anger. So what do you want more of in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Do you want more wrath to be turned away from you? Or do you want more anger pointed in your direction? Yeah. Well, then speak accordingly. Yeah. That's a, a really, I think, helpful verse for a lot of us. Maybe not necessarily easy to do sometimes, yeah. but it's very simple. Do you want less conflict in your life? Then give a gentle answer. Yes. Yeah. All right. And then the next one is Proverbs fifteen eighteen, and it says, A hot-tempered man mm-hmm. stirs up dissension, but a patient man calms a quarrel. Mm-hmm. So there's this difference again. The patient man, the man who can put off offense, mm-hmm. the man who has thick skin, he can let things kind of roll off his shoulders. He's going to calm down the fight. Mm. He's going to make everyone take it down a notch, mm-hmm. take it down two notches, mm-hmm. not the hot-tempered man. Right. He's going to stir up that fight even more. He's going to jump in there and get yep. after it yep. in a bad way, not in yep. a good way. Yep. So there's this concept here where we want to be gentle, verse 1, mm. and we want to be patient, verse 18. So I find those really helpful in navigating conflict where be patient, be gentle. That takes care of most conflict right there. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how you you said this little phrase there that I I find myself saying all the time to my children, what kind of life do you want? Do you want one of strife or do you want one of peace? And and they're, they're answering to each other, I think has a lot to do with it, answering each other, one another in when they're impatient or when, or if they're just, just, you know, zero to 100 and they're just shouting at each other, uh, that, that, that it kind of, um, that phrase enters into my conversation a lot. And it's like, well, what, what do you want? Do you want to stop playing right now? What do you want your day to be like? You know, what do you want your life to be like? These are the, the questions that I think are answered in these, in, in these proverbs. You want your life to be go this way. You have control over that. Take control of your of yourself of your of your words and of your heart and your feelings and live rightly do it do it better <laughs> all right what do you have for me here next verse next verse i'm in ephesians and uh, ephesians 25 i'm just going to start writing or reading it actually 24 this is the really the one that that we ought to start with Oh my gosh, I could even go to 20, but... um, Do it. Okay, fine. But that is not the way you learned Christ, exclamation point. I like that. Um, So the way that we learned Christ is not through callousness, giving ourselves up to sensuality, greed, um, and impurity. But if if we learned Christ, we are to be renewed in the spirit of our minds, putting on the new self, created after the likeness of of God in true righteousness and holiness. And then it goes on. This is 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth, say what you mean to your neighbor, for we're members of one another. We're brought, now he's talking about the communities, dressing the community. Be angry and do not sin. I think that's huge. It's like anger is okay, but don't sin in it. And that is, man, is that's tough. 
That's mm-hmm. a hard thing to do. <laughs> um, but do not, and then this is, this is something that actually, when I got married, the pastor who married, uh, who, who performed the ceremony, he said this, he said, here, here's something, never, n- never forget this. Don't let the sun go down in your anger. And he, so, and I don't know why that stuck with me, mm-hmm. but it st- has stuck with me ever since then. Don't go to bed angry. Don't go to bed not reconciled. And that, that has worked out very well, I, I would say, in our marriage. That's something that we've actually done very well, uh, not to brag, but that, and that's something that we, that we try to do and we try to accomplish in, in our house. And then let me keep reading. Um, and give no opportunity to the devil. You let that sun go down and you're still angry and you wake up. What, I mean, what is happening? What's happening? You, a lot of the time, if, that, if that's happening, then I mean, you're going you're gonna to be waking up in the middle of the night. You're going to be angry. You know, look, you know, look at your spouse. They're sleeping. And you're going to harbor bitterness in your heart. And how's the, how's the next morning? How's the next day going to be? And, you, and you, you still haven't dealt with you know, the disagreement or the, you know, the conflict, the argument. And you, you haven't resolved it. It's just going to grow. It's not going to get better. You got you to gotta deal with it before you go to bed. That's a good principle I, that I live by. And let me just keep going. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his hands, that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Don't steal. Mm-hmm. That's going to cause conflict. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's like he has to say that. You mm-hmm. know, don't, don't take things that aren't yours. And let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. But the things that come out of our mouths, let them build up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who give grace to those who hear. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor, clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. That's the new self that we're putting on. And it has a lot to do with how we deal with conflict. This, these are all kind of brought to the forefront when we're dealing with conflict, malice, slant. You know, we want, we're tempted into anger and bitterness and wrath, you know, and talking bad about that person. It's like, that's not how we learned Christ. That's not him. And so in all of this, I think of, you know, in all of conflict, like Christ, Christ's a man of conflict <laughs> in, in a way because he was so, because he, he took on the world and, and won. And so it's like, if we, if we want to have that same sort of victory that Christ that Christ had and enjoyed, if we're if we've put on Christ and we're taking on sin and the, the dark forces that, are, that exist in this world, we're going to be people of conflict. Mm-hmm. Be angry, be in conflict in this way, right? And 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 learn Christ, read the Gospels, yeah, and do something, right? And I think this is important to recognize that conflict is necessary as a Christian. Yeah. yeah. Like if you look at Jesus, the Jesus that is preached a lot of times is I, I don't see him in the Bible the mm. way he's preached a lot of times. Mm. Because Jesus did call people out and there was conflict. Jesus flipped tables yeah. in the temple. He chased people with a whip. He called them robbers and thieves. Right? He called Herod a skunk. Mm. Like we, we translate it flocks. It's really mm. like basically it's equivalent of skunk, right? Yeah. He called he called Herod a name. Mm. He, this conflict. Mm-hmm. He called the Pharisees names, like blind yeah. guides, open tombs. Yeah. He engaged in conflict, but that conflict was for the kingdom. Mm. It's important. And it was, dare I say, I, I don't know that I thought this through, but a sanctifying conflict. Mm-hmm. Like he's purifying, he's chasing out the evil in the temple to make way for the good. Mm-hmm. Right? He's calling out the 
evil religious leaders with a call to be good in the sense of spiritually good by following Christ, Mm. right? So there is this conflict. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace, but division and a sword. That's conflict. That entered my mind, yeah. Yeah, so conflict is part of the Christian walk, but I think the important thing is the focus of the conflict. Hmm. Is the focus my fleshly self, or is it kingdom, right? Is it being the head of my nation Hmm. and building my kingdom that God's given me as part of his kingdom? Or is it, do you know who I am? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, mm-hmm. is it self-aggrandizing? So I think that's the difference. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I love that passage. Yeah, the, the <laughs> I feel like it's the agree, be, you know, be agreeable, you know, be, and, and, and kind of like, like Jesus was not agreeable. He was like, he was not obedient to the way of the world. He was, I mean, sold out obedient to the father. In, but that obedience rubs against the kind of goes against the grain when when it when you're confronting the world and so when you confront as as Christians do confront sin wherever it is confront evil and darkness wherever it is yeah it's not time to be agreeable but that would be time to to use my my mom's phrase she always uses like for the lion to come out you know and I'm like yeah that's it you know that's the, that would be the right response. And I don't think there's unagreeableness, if that's a word, when it's confronting evil and darkness and true injustice. I think that is not sinful, you know, and I, don't, yeah. I think that is a good that is a good type of anger. Absolutely. Yeah. Righteous yeah. anger. Yeah. So I've got another passage here. I actually have two more. So we'll try to keep this brief. Mm-hmm. So this is in Romans chapter 12 and it's verse 18. It says, if it is possible as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Mm. So this concept here that I think is important is one, it may not be possible, but if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, Mm -hmm. live at peace with everyone. So this concept here is to mitigate conflict as much as you can so that you live at peace with other people. Mm -hmm. And it's for the sake of the gospel, Mm. right? That's the purpose here for the sake of the kingdom of God so that people see you and they're like, he can live in peace with other people. That's not common. If you see someone that lives at peace with most other people, that's not common. Mm. What do you see in most shows? Drama, mm-hmm. right? Even old shows. I don't watch new shows, but old shows. It's drama. It's full of conflict. I was watching a rerun of ALF the oh, other man. day. Wow. And they had to bring a psychologist into the house because they had so much conflict. But <laughs> I mean, did have an alien there. Yeah, so they did. Yeah, it helps. The alien did add to the conflict, but. <laughs> That was a typical show. What is it? Mm. What are most old sitcoms about? Conflict. Because it's not easy to live at peace with everyone. But being able to live at peace with everyone shows something different. It shows that you're not of the world. And it brings light to Christ, right? People look at that and they're like, what do you have that I don't have? How can you live at peace with everyone? So that's the goal here. But as far as it depends on you, because not everyone's going to like us. So as far as it depends on us, live at peace. But it may not depend on us. There may be people that just will not live at peace with us. But as far as it depends on us, live at peace. I think it's a cool passage. Mm-hmm. Any more on your end? No, I just think that, you know, people listening to this, this might sound complicated. It's like, be <laughs> be angry, but don't sin. It's, you know, this is like a, a tough thing, I think, for for us to, to try to apply. But I think that if you're learning Christ, I think that's where it clears things. It clears these things up. 
because we're we're saying things you know like like life is conflict but be kind to one another you know <laughs> and be at peace yeah. with one another but we're saying but th- there are things that, this is, I mean, this is life. And so, and I think that this is when we're trying to, to build our kingdoms here, we're trying to, you know, to, to be men uh, of truth and conviction and mercy. That is, that's something that we can't, there's no law for this. There's no like rule book, but there is Christ. Mm-hmm. And so if we can look to Christ and try just to try to imitate him, get mad at the things he gets mad at, um, but don't sin because he doesn't. And and then, you know, and then treat, because I think of like how, how Christ treats, what, what does conflict look like for him when he's with the disciples? It's different than the conflict that he has, that he engages in with the Pharisees or with the people who are, who are Gentiles or who are sick or who are whatever. But I mean, like it's, it's everything's just, you've, you've kind of given the circumstance. Where is it safe? As fits the occasion, right? That's that's the Ephesians uh, verse that that I was thinking of. But I think that you know, if we were to say, you know, for this for this occasion, do this; for this occasion, do that. I don't I don't know if that's necessarily helpful. But I think that looking to Christ will will clear it up for us. Always, Absolutely, always. Yeah, he's the pattern mm-hmm. that we're supposed to follow. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that definitely makes it less complicated because otherwise it is complicated. Yeah. It's almost as <laughs> if what we're saying is in conflict with itself, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but that's the nuance of life, and it's right. especially the nuance of the Christian life right. where there is no one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. answer for every single circumstance, mm-hmm. right? That's why life is complicated mm-hmm. in the Christian life even more so because we're trying to live a holy life that is pleasing to God. Mm. But that imitation of Christ, I think, is key. That's how we get it. How exciting is that, too, to know that God is writing each individual story and sanctifying us in certain ways, that it's not all the same. It's not sameness is not what he's after. He's such, it, it's so, he is so complicated, you know, as, in, as, a, as a person that every person has their own story and, and own conflicts that they're going to go through ultimately to make us more in different ways to make us more like himself. It's just a crazy, if you think about it like that's a crazy, that's a crazy story to tell. Very complicated and complex (laughs) story, but a beautiful one. All right, I wanna hit one last passage here and I saved it for last because it's the most common Mm -hmm. conflict Mm -hmm. passage and everyone's always going to Matthew 18, which that's the reason why is because it's the pattern. But I wanna read Matthew 18 for our pattern for what we do if there's conflict. If your brother sins against you, Go and show him his fault just between the two of you. If he listens to you, you have won your brother over. But if he will not listen, take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen to even to the church, treat him as you would a pagan or a tax collector. I'm going to read one more verse because I think it's awesome. Mm. I tell you the truth, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven Mm -hmm. and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So, the concept here is managing it in increasing order of intensity. Hmm. So I start one-on-one. If you've offended me, you know, you're like, Brian's just super ugly and fat, right? And I'm like, ouch, that offended me. So then I go, Ben, I, I didn't like that you called me ugly and fat. And you're like, but you are, and mm-hmm. I'm going to call it to you again. Well, then I bring mm-hmm. two others with me. And I'm like, Ben called me ugly and fat. And they're like, Ben, you should be kinder. And you're like, but he's ugly and fat, right? So then I bring it to the church and I'm like, church, mm. Ben is slandering me mm. because I'm neither ugly nor fat. 
Behold. <laughs> right? <laughs> Look at you judge for yourselves, guys. <laughs> so then it goes to the church. And if you're like, no, listen, I don't care what any of you say. Mm-hmm. I'm holding this line. Mm-hmm. Then I'm I'm supposed to disassociate with you. Hmm. That's the method of conflict resolution there. Because at that point, I mean, if you really think about it, if someone has upset you and they've sinned against you, if they're willing to stand before everyone hmm. in their folly, so this is clearly a sin issue. This isn't like you ate the last tortilla chip on the plate, and I take that before the church. So if this is a sin issue and you're willing to stand in your sin defiantly before the church at that point is there really any hope of resolving the conflict Mm. it's not like you just said that to me like uh one-on-one it's not like you said it three-on-one you did it before the whole assembly Mm -hmm. so at that point any other interaction that we have is going to be a tense and conflict riddled issue so scripture says disassociate with that person. That's what you would do with a tax collector or a pagan, by the way, is you would disassociate with them. So that's the pattern here for dealing with conflict. First of all, I want to unpack this really fast. I know we're starting to go a little long. I have to go to you and say, this is what happened, right? So I need to go to you and take it to you. I'm not going to take it behind your back. I'm not going to gossip about it. I'm not going to make a big deal about it. I'm not going to blow you up online and you know start a mm-hmm. Twitter war or whatever. I go to you. My pastor says face-to-face answers many a case. right? So I take it to you. And if you won't listen, then I take a couple of trusted people along mm-hmm. and try to reason with you. But the first step is I have to initiate. If I am the offended party, the aggrieved party, I've got to initiate with you and say, there is conflict, let's resolve this. I have to make those first steps. And then we follow further steps. But that's a big first step. Mm -hmm. So if I have a problem, I don't just assume you recognize I have Mm. a problem. If I have a problem, I have to make you aware in a kind and loving way. Mm -hmm. Any final thoughts you have on that? Yeah, you just made me think of of another one, but of Matthew five, uh, where he's talking about, Jesus is talking about anger. He's talking about people, you know, who are angry with each other and will insult one another or, um, or, or even taking each other to court, that types of things where he says, if you're offering a gift, if you're like worshiping and you recognize, and you realize my, my brother has something against me, that I offended him or that, or there's something between us, leave worship, go and be reconciled to your brother. Like do this quickly, quickly so mm-hmm. that, so that it, bitterness doesn't grow, but handle this fast. I love that because he, and he, he says, I mean, he says the word first be reconciled to your brother, then come back, come to terms with your accuser quickly while you're going along, while you're walking to the court. It's like, I mean, do your best to resolve this. And I think it, that well, that's wisdom. I think things will go better for you if you do that. Um, obviously, you're not going to. You can miss court. You can miss the. You know, uh, you don't. You won't be convicted, and, and you know, and and you can have a clear conscience, and and you have your brother. Perfect. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. a win-win. You know, win. Yeah. So conflict resolution. Mm-hmm. I think the important thing is it's important that we're reconciled. And if you really think the ultimate conflict resolution is Christ, mm. where God sent Christ. Because there was conflict. We, we are separated from God by our sin. Mm-hmm. 
and Christ came so that we could be reconciled to God, mm. right? So that conflict of sin, Christ came to resolve that. And that to me, I, I think that's mm. the most fascinating conflict resolution where we have offended God by our sin mm-hmm. and God came to us and sent Christ for us to die, be buried, to be resurrected, to mm-hmm. reconcile us to him. And so that we could be adopted as sons. Mm-hmm. That is fascinating. We're the children of God mm. because of the conflict resolution he did through Christ. Like it, mm-hmm. that to me, like I resonate with Paul where he just explodes in Ephesians into praise. Mm-hmm. He just gives this mm-hmm. massive amount of praise. So the the word, if I had to interpret it, is, is basically like super blessed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's the ultimate conflict resolution. It's the eternal mm-hmm. conflict mm-hmm. resolution so that we can eternally be with him as his child. Mm-hmm. So that's the pattern here for our conflict resolution, because mm-hmm. I think there are eternal consequences to conflict. Like if we don't forgive others, what does the scripture say? We, we won't we be, forgiven. be forgiven. We yeah. be, we can't be forgiven if we don't forgive other people. Well, mm. part of conflict resolution is forgiveness, and so we're called to forgive others because Christ forgave us. Mm-hmm. Amen. Yeah. All right, so that's what I've got for us for today. Mm. I want to thank you all for listening, and I want to thank you, Ben, for your insights in mm. this as well. Absolutely. Uh, if you are enjoying the podcast, just ask you to share it with other people so that they can hear the word and so that other like-minded people can be kind of just brought into the fold here of the, the nation builders we have here at Head of Nations. And also, if you could leave a written review, that would really help us gain some traction and reach people that otherwise might not be able to, to see the show. If you would like to contact us, email us at info at headofnations.com. If you would like to support the show, and we do thank our supporters, really appreciate the support we've been getting lately. If you'd like to support the show, go to the website, click on the support tab. And as always, we are the head of our nations. Let's go live like it. Until next time.